0: Office box, a box of chocolates. Would I know to stay away? What oh, said Hand off his box, a box of chocolates. Would I eat them anyway? Cause every time I have half a mind to leave you, babe, that means I have half a mind to stay.
1: It's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Good afternoon. This is Mike. Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food, and there are a lot of insights to be found from food. But the, the, the heat is starting to freeze my brain from the heat, and I've started to hear stories about dangerous tomatoes, And this is starting to be a weird thing because tomatoes are pretty much fundamental to so many kinds of food that we eat. From ketchup, maybe that wasn't the best example, though that is a vegetable, at least by the standards of the FDA in the 1980s, I believe. Pico de gallo, different kinds of salsa, tomato soups, tomato sauces, and it's all just kind of crazy that... The lowly but wonderful tomato, which is a fruit, not a vegetable, is nonetheless apparently dangerous? Well, federal's officials' federal's officials are hunting for the source of a salmonella outbreak reported in Michigan and 16 other states and linked to three types of raw tomatoes. More supermarkets and restaurants are yanking those varieties from shelves and menus. They were the red plum, red roma, or round red tomatoes. Those are being yanked by a lot of places, unless they're grown in certain states and countries. And at times like this, weird times call for some weird music and weird
2: sounds. (laughs)
0: The Killer Tomatoes Attack of the Killer Tomatoes They'll beat you, bash you, squish you, mash you Chew you up for brunch And finish you off for dinner or lunch They're marching down the holes They're crawling up the holes They're gooey, gushy, squishy, mushy Rotten to the core They're standing outside your door Remember Herbert Farbage While taking out his garbage He turned around and he did see Tomatoes hiding in his tree Now he's just a memory I know I'm going to miss her but tomato ate my sister Sacramento fell today They're marching into San Jose Tomatoes are on their way there is on vacation, the governor's fed a nation. The police have gone on strike today, the National Guard has run away, tomatoes will have their day. Attack of the killer tomatoes, attack of the killer tomatoes. They'll beat you, bash you, squish you, mash you, chew you up for brunch, and finish you off for dinner or lunch, Much, lunch. lunch.
1: It just ends so suddenly, it's just really scary, really. And that's Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, the theme from the the well-researched and well-loved documentary. I think it won a couple of Peabody Awards. I think it was right up there with The, uh, the Inconvenient Truth about Tomatoes for getting the most B-Buddy awards in the category of a tomato-oriented documentary. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Yes, this is Pandora's Lunchbox. And did I mention that the heat is frying my brain? Oh, yeah. I think, I think it might even be hotter tomorrow, but but I don't know that for sure. Aside from Killer Tomatoes, we've had some strange reports of exploding chickens, and that's something that I thought that I should bring right to your attention. This is from the Associated Press from earlier this week. This is from June 10th. Why, that's just two days ago, I believe. Raw chicken stuffed with pipe bomb. Simsbury, Connecticut. Authorities say a raw roasting chicken left along a road in Connecticut had some dangerous stuffing. Simsbury police say a driver noticed the chicken yesterday morning. The driver noticed the chicken yesterday morning. Inside, they say there was a pipe bomb large enough to hurt a person if it had gone off. The road was closed and the Hartford Police Department's bomb squad came and blew up the chicken. No one was injured. There have been no arrests. But there have been some suspicious chickens watching from grassy knolls and some other uh, grassy stumps and things while it was going on. Exploding chickens, and I thought to myself, I wonder if I can find anything more about this. And you know what? Actually, I, I did. I did make sure to find it. And there is a whole page on Wikipedia headlined Exploding Chicken. It says here, there are many references in popular culture to exploding chicken phenomena. I don't know if I was aware of that or if I am right now. Most of them humorous and unsubstantiated, the following incidents have been reported in the news media, such as you're listening to right now. The UK release of John Malkovich's directorial debut, the 2002 film The Dancer Upstairs, was stalled briefly because of concerns over the treatment of a live chicken. The British Board of Film Classification complained about footage of a chicken that had explosives strapped to one of its legs. The British Cinema- Cinematograph Films Act forbids the screening of films in which animals have been harmed in the filmmaking process by the cruel inflection of pain or terror or the cruel goading of any animal to fury. The board allowed the distribution to proceed only after was assured by the production company that the chicken had not been harmed in any way, although it was, had a what looked like explosives strapped to one of its legs. In another incident, a whole raw chicken was blown up by a police bomb disposal unit using an M-80 firecracker. The controlled explosion took place on September 19, 2001, at the James Bridger 8th Grade Center in Independence, Missouri. As part of a public safety demonstration, the explosion, which sent pieces of chicken flying up to 50 feet through the air, was intended to illustrate the destructive power of explosives in an attempt to warn students against... Handling illegal fireworks and presumably illegal chickens. The Exploding Chicken is also the nick- nickname of a sculpture by George Sugarman, mmm, sugar, on public display in Tampa, Florida. There are many more things to talk about as far as Exploding Chicken goes, but in the meantime, I think we need to hear this until our heads fall off. <coughs> Now, I just got a call. By the way, this is Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. That was the Hen House 5 Plus 2, a.k.a. Ray Stevens, hidden underneath a tomato, pretending to be somebody else. And that was his or their version of in the mood. And they're in the mood because they're a little uh, concerned about the possibility they might explode in this hot weather. I got a call that a lot of media reports are calling Salmonella a bacteria but I've been informed by the caller. Thank you very much. It's actually a protozoa, which is 1,000 to 10,000 times larger than a bacteria. It is a, Salmonella is a protozoa, which allegedly has been found in some tomatoes, which is why they're being pulled from shelves. And again, it's just a strange thing, something so fundamental as a tomato you can't have, apparently. The, the varieties are the red roma, which also has been pronounced... Uh, Another couple of ways, red plum, red roma, or round red tomatoes have been pulled from a lot of places. Makes you think if you have your own garden and you grow them yourself, maybe it may not be subject to those things. Possibly. And so that, that's, something, that's something very interesting. But uh, the, the red plum concerns me very much because you could say to yourself, red plum, red plum, red plum, and lift your finger up and down and say red plum, which in backwards is mulpter, And that's something very dangerous. Now, we've been talking about exploding chickens as well as dangerous tomatoes, killer tomatoes and such. This also from Wikipedia, which goes to show you, this is a page labeled Blue Peacock. Now... The Blue Peacock was dubbed the Chicken-Powered Nuclear Bomb. Yes, I'll give you a moment to digest that. Digest that? It was the codename of a British tactical nuclear weapon project in the 1950s, with the goal to store a number of 10-kiloton nuclear mines in Germany to be placed at target locations on the North German plane in the event of war. This has to do with chickens. Just It'll come. The mines would have been detonated by wire or an eight-day timer. Or an egg timer, maybe? If they were disturbed, they were set to explode within 10 seconds. They brought... Excuse me, chicken got my throat. The project was developed at the Armament Research and Development Establishment at Ford Halstead in Kent in 1954. Blah, 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 blah. Here we go. The design was based on the free falling Blue Danube, but the Blue Peacock weighed 7.2 tons. The steel casing was so large it had to be tested outdoors in a flooded gravel pit near Seven Oaks in Kent. The chickens are coming. The chickens are coming. Just wait. Project history. Let's just go st- skip the project's history and go straight to the chicken power, shall we? One technical problem was that buried objects, especially during winter, can get very cold, and it was possible the mine would not have worked after some days underground due to the electronics being too cold to operate properly. Various methods to get around this were studied, such as wrapping the bombs in insulating blankets— One particularly remarkable proposal suggested that live chickens should be included in the mechanism. The chickens would be sealed inside the casing with a supply of food and water. They would remain alive for a week or so, which was the expected maximum lifetime of the bomb in any case. The body heat given off by the chickens would, it seems, have been sufficient to keep all the relevant components at a working temperature. This proposal was sufficiently outlandish that it was taken as an April Fool's Day's joke when the Blue Peacock file was declassified on April 1st, 2004. But Tom O'Leary, head of education and interpretation at the National Archives, replied to the media that it does seem like an April Fool, but it most certainly is not. The Civil Service does not do jokes. That's the story of the Blue Peacock, also known as the chicken-powered nuclear bomb. And one thing you probably won't have with a chicken-powered nuclear bomb is strawberry shrapnel, but if it does come your way, you might want to duck. ¶¶
3: I don't know, oh, in the morning sun, it tastes like strawberry now and I don't know
1: This has been a public service announcement from the Strawberry Shrapnel Council, otherwise known as a song by the group The White Ravens, Ann Arbor's The White Ravens, their album called The White Ravens, and the song called Strawberry Shrapnel. We've been warning you today about a lot of things you need to know about, from dangerous tomatoes to exploding chickens and, of course, strawberry shrapnel. Also, if you go to the art gallery known as the Contemporary Art Institute of Detroit, known as CADE. You might want to know that there was a raid at Cade. Sadly, they have late-night dance parties every month, but the Detroit police raided the place on charges that people were buying beers after hours. Over 100 people were charged with loitering in a place where alcohol was being sold illegally. But the ACLU of Michigan has gotten involved in it, and the director of the ACLU, the legal director, says the charges are unconstitutional. He says, under this interpretation, if a person was shopping on a Sunday at 11.30 and another shopper was sold alcohol, the initial shopper would be guilty of a crime. There were misdemeanor charges and f- nearly 45 cars were seized during the raid, and the gallery itself was not fined. Something positive, though, about the Cade, Rock City, a festival called Rock City, is coming to Detroit this weekend, actually at a whole, num- a whole, a whole number of venues, wholly. And some of the menus include The Majestic and The Magic Stick And Cade has concerts by various people Including the Great Lakes Myth Society of Ann Arbor They'll be playing a daytime barbecue party at the Cade They'll be starting to play at 6.45pm on Saturday, June 14th Music will be starting overall at 1pm The Great Lakes Myth Society will be there at 6.45pm At a barbecue party at an art museum Which really does say a lot, don't you think? Well, couldn't you go for some salmon, Ella?
4: Things have come to a pretty pass Our romance is growing flat For you like this and the other While I go for this and that Goodness knows what the end will be Oh, I don't know where i Must
2: be done.
4: You say either, and I say either. You say neither, and I say neither. Either, either, neither, neither. neither. Let's call. Potato and I like potato. You like tomato and I like tomato. Potato, potato, tomato, tomato. Let's call the whole thing off. Like pajamas, I'll wear pajamas and give up pajamas for we know we need each other, so we better call the calling of off. Let's call the whole thing off.
1: You say tomato and I say terror right. Sorry, I'm I'm fine. That was Ella Fitzgerald, and let's call the whole thing off. An excuse for a really, really bad pun, for which I somewhat apologize. This is of note to people who are into food, but it's not really a food item unless you make it so. Astronomers have named the distant dwarf planets after Pluto. Now, we heard that some planets had been demoted a few years ago, Pluto now being called a dwarf planet. The official group that names objects in the solar system is calling all distant dwarf planets Plutoids. Isn't that cute? After the planet, Pluto was demoted to dwarf status. The International Astronomical Union has created a new category for objects that circle the sun and are too small to be considered planets, but are big enough to have their own gravity. Plutoids must also be farther from the sun than Neptune. The Astronomical Union, which is meeting in Oslo, Norway, raised a cosmic fuss two years ago when it demoted Pluto. There are only two Plutoids, Pluto and Eris. And they're being recalled. No, sorry, I got that wrong. I'm getting a little mixed up here. But just so you know that there are objects smaller than plutoids called pluots. Pluots are a kind of food. This is important to note. When you go to the supermarket and you ask for a plutoid, you might get a blank stare. But if you get information on a pluot, you might be able to help yourself. A pluot, according to the Wikipedia website, is a trademark for a fruit developed in the late 20th century by Floyd Zeger. In the U.S., the fruit is known by most regulatory agencies as an interspecific plum. This is an interspecific plum, not a plutoid. Get it straight. Yes, I'll take plastic. It's a complex cross-hybrid of plum and apricot, being three-quarters plum, one-quarter apricot in percentage. The pluot, like the aprium, which we've all had many conversations about is derived from the half-plum, half-apricot hybrid called the plumcot not the plutoid just to get that straight, folks there are only two plutoids Pluto and Eris but there are many kinds of pluots including the flavorosa very sweet, medium-sized, flat, round, dark purple fruit with red flesh available end of May through first weeks of June so this is your chance to get the flavorosa the tropical plumana oh my god Tropical Punch Flavor, medium-sized, red over greenish-yellow background with yellow flesh. Available middle of June and the subject of many poems. Early Dapple, good flavor. media. It's good to know that it has good flavor. Medium-sized, mottled green over red skin with pink flesh. Available mid-June and perhaps my favorite, the Flavor Queen. Medium-sized, sweet flavor, light green to yellow skin, yellow juicy flesh. Available the end of July, the 1st of August. Which reminds me of exploding chickens. We've been talking about that all hour, even though it's only a half hour show. And this is a recipe, this is a recipe article from AJC.com. I don't know what the, oh, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. At least five readers of Southern Living who tried the icebox dinner roll recipe in the current issue were injured by bubbling fat. Oh my God. The publication hastily printed a correction on its website, sent emails to readers, and recalled recalls again recalled copies of the magazine from the newsstand for readers of the denver post the incident called to mind the exploding chicken episode of 1982 which has been declassified recently apparently a recipe for apricot brandy chicken published in the newspaper sunday magazine blew the doors off at least two ovens in the denver area though the blame eventually settled on cooks who had a heavy hand with the brandy of is the proper pronunciation, the recipe became famous and sparked an informal naming contest at the newspaper, where scribes dubbed the dish "Chicken Catcha Torah Torah Torah." Most food editors bite their tongues when they see a rival print, uh, rival print, a mistake because cooking can be a dangerous art and recipes often go awry. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution, in fact, ran a recipe for Hawaiian fruit salad in 2002 that recommended boiling an unopened can of condensed milk. The newspaper ran a correction later, pointing out that the can might explode. People still boil unopened cans of condensed milk, a popular way to caramelize the contents, and the technique was included in a recipe for silky caramel slices printed in a 1977 Random House cookbook called Women's Day Crockery Cuisine. When a can exploded during a belated test, Random House recalled several thousand copies of the book, though 10,000 had already been sold, but the book is still available on the following Plutoids, Pluto and Eris. This is Pandora's Lunchbox. I've been Mike for at least a half hour, and there's not much that can be done about that, but we're going to wrap up by talking about the statewide garlic mustard challenge. Uh, This is from the Land Conservancy of West Michigan. The invasive garlic mustard plant threatens the abundant wildflowers and diverse forest ecosystem of Michigan. Garlic mustard stands out with its ability to overwhelm natural habitats. In only a few years, garlic mustard can take over an area affecting not only wildflowers, but tree growth and the animals that depend on the natural growth. This spring, the Michigan Stewardship Network launched the Garlic Mustard Challenge with the goal of removing 100,000 pounds of garlic mustard by June 15, 2008. The state is divided into five stewardship clusters that engaged in friendly competition to see who could pull the most garlic mustard. The cluster that pulled the most will be awarded the Stewardship Network's Golden Hot Dog Award. Official results will be posted on June 15th, but the West Michigan Stewardship Cluster is poised to take home the prize. As of May 30th, the West Michigan Cluster pulled 24,398 pounds of garlic mustard, nearly 10,000 pounds more than the nearest competitor. Results of the total pounds of garlic mustard pulled can be found at stewardshipnetwork.org. This That'd has be been a... this has been a public service announcement. Yes, Art of uh, Hi, I'm sorry. Um, can that be eaten, that garlic mustard? This is something we'll have to wait for another show to find out. Mm. Yeah, I, I have not done the research, I'm afraid to say. Mm. I'm afraid that it will explode. Don't be
2: afraid.
1: I'm, I'm, I will not be afraid. Arulf is here to help us face the music that will happen in just a moment. I've been Mike for at least half hour for as long as i can count so look out for exploding chickens dangerous pota- tomatoes tomatoes that are tomatoes and potatoes that are potatoes plutoids hurtling in your direction and pluots that ask you whether or not you've ever put an m80 in a chicken these are all important pieces of information that you can go home and digest <laughs> Um, and I'll be, I'll be Mike, I'll be here next week with probably something a little bit more coherent. In the meantime, we're going to go out with this song from Cannon's Jug Stompers. And if you were through the last half hour, you might feel a lot like this, and perhaps you already do. This is the Tired Chicken Blues on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor.
5: But I'm tired and worried Bound to sing this time Oh, yeah, mercy Play it, Mr. Cannon Play it, now Oh, play that harp, Nora Play it, boy, play it. Have mercy, have mercy When I say that I don't, baby You don't treat me rough. Oh, have mercy, have mercy It's the first time I have, baby When you die my story Have mercy Play that harvest, you know. Play it, play it, play it Get right on that joke now, Joe
2: Oh, how
5: much? That I'm tired of chicken. Baby, Lord, I'm tired of steak. How mercy. That I'm tired of chicken. Baby, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of steak. Oh, how much? I had a chill last night, would i to too tired to shake I'm mercy, I'm mercy Play it now
6: Seven o'clock. This is WCVN FM, Ann Arbor, eighty-eight point three megahertz. We're experimental radio from the University of Michigan, run by students with lots and lots of community involvement. Tonight on Face the Music, we're going to continue to search for alternate national anthems because the national anthem we have is uh, well, I think rude, pugnacious, and stupid, probably in in uh, in that order in those degrees, so we'd like to uh, suggest that perhaps our national anthem for three minutes and ten seconds would be this recording made in 1928 by the Jarl Quintet for Victor Records. got to hand it to Victor Records. They did give uh, immigrants a lot of opportunities to make records back then. This is, uh, this is called Skogans Blumster. It's a, a schottisch, as they used to say. It's a type of dance it translates as forest flowers which makes this some kind of a strange link to charles lloyd uh, which really makes it our national anthem i think our national anthem needs to be hunky dory since uh, nothing is anymore i guess right oh i'm i'm uh, <laughs>